Oh, it's live. Live? Well, you know, <laughs> it's a recording, whatever. It's We're a recording. live recording. <laughs> Recorded before a studio audience of zombies. <laughs> I don't see any zombies. Happy Easter. <laughs> Happy Easter. That's fitting. Yeah, that was a segue. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. Welcome to this end. It's well. Easter break. It is. It's so nice. The I legislators this left morning. town last night and you could hear the entire town go. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, they all left about noon. Um, I am exhausted. And so I am really excited to have four days off. I was sort of debating about whether or not I should be in the office getting work done that I can't get done while the legislature is in session. And then by the time yesterday, I literally had to like force myself out of bed yesterday morning for an eight o'clock hearing. And I decided I needed a few days off. So I'm like, off until Tuesday. You're like, I'm done. I I'm love done. you people, but I'm done. I'm tired. So I slept in this morning till almost 10. Oh, nice. Which is remarkable. And I have been doing nothing all day, just sort of putzing around the house and fixing things and watching some TV. Cool. It's See, really I knew nice. it was Friday all day today. Like, I woke up this morning and I'm like, yay, it's Friday. Happy day. And I had a couple other things to do and I had a couple little things pop up. And then I had... Tyler, one of my coworkers, mm-hmm. he showed up and he told me, "No, it's Thursday." And I'm like, "No, it's Friday. I'm fairly sure it's Friday." He sounds evil. He, well, he didn't mean it to be evil. He actually thought it was Thursday. And I haven't I like, known what day it was all week. I was like, "Oh my god, maybe it is Thursday." And then, like in the middle of the afternoon, I was sure it was Thursday. <laughs> like at about two o'clock, I'm going, "No, it's Thursday. I have things to do." No, wait, it's Friday, and it's that's when Friday. I texted you. I'm like, "Are we doing this today?" <laughs> so that'll clear it up. I just don't buy the clocks and the phones anymore. <laughs> Kelson will know. Yes, I'm here. It's Friday, four o'clock. Yay! Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How was your week? Um, it was interesting. I've been arguing with people on the internet. As Ooh. I am want to do. <laughs> Who have we been arguing with? Um, actually, a classmate of mine uh, from Capitol High, Class 91, Ooh. 150 years ago. Um, it's very interesting. Um, we've been getting into it because he works for a bar and he's very on the MTA side. Mm. He's a supporter of House Bill 616. You're going to have to explain what that is. Uh, I'll, I'll, please allow me to. <laughs> Are you going to share his name? Um, yeah, you can look it up. It's, uh, if I can remember, Justin Clausen. Hmm. He's not a bad guy. Um, Does he work for a distributor? No, he actually works for a bar. He's hmm. a bartender. Um, you know, and more power to him. I have lots of friends that are bartenders. I think they're great. And uh, you know, my friend Mandy manages a bar. For for God's sakes, it's not like I don't go to the bars. You like bars. You like bars. You like bartenders. You like barmaids. You I like, like anybody who serves bar alcohol. favors. Exactly, it's delightful. Um, Anyway, we were talking about it, and he's obviously on the MTA side with House Bill 616. And House Bill 616 is 17 pages of possibly the worst lawyering I've ever seen. Hmm. It's ridiculous. There are so many legal loopholes that they're creating with this bill that if it doesn't get killed, I'm just going to sue the state because obviously they don't require you to have a legal degree, a a law license to write the law. Mm. It's bad. Bad. And MTA is Montana Tavern Association. Right. And MBA is the Montana Brewers Association. Mm-hmm. And I am on the side of the Brewers Association, which is funny because if you look at my... Uh, drinking habits? Yes, my drinking <laughs> habits and my bar tab, the you bill, the like amount of money beer. that I spend on whiskey and <laughs> vodka and mixed drinks far surpasses the amount of money that I spend on beer. And I spend it in the bars. It's but not you like just I respect the underdog. Well, it's not even that I respect the underdog. It's that... In this instance, I know what's actually wrong, and I have such a huge problem with what the MTA is doing because they're trying to, they're pulling protectionist 
actions. They're trying to protect uh, a part of their business, but the part they're trying to protect is the the money they put into their licenses. Mm -hmm. And that's not money that the state gets for issuing a license. This still kills me. I love this. The amount of money it costs to have a liquor license in the state of Montana that you pay the state is 400 bucks. I can pay that. $400. I know. But the last one to sell, because of the pop, we have it capped based on the amount of population that you have. Mm -hmm. The last one to sell in Lewis and Clark County sold for $650,000. Wow. Because it's a transferable license, which it shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And so it's treated like real estate. And it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the MTA brought forth this bill. They're trying to shut down. Or what they're actually trying to do is... And it's interesting. It's an interesting way to do it. But it, it creates more problems down the road than it solves. Mm-hmm. What they want to do is make all of the um, brewers that have tap rooms actually buy a cabaret license. So that they can serve... And it would be nice because then they could serve their beer later. They could serve past eight. They could serve as much as they want. It becomes a bar. No big deal. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other issues that are in there, and some of the way that it's written, it really doesn't explain how they would deal with those issues, and I can see them, so it's going to cause lawsuits. It's not a pretty bill. Um, but basically, they're saying that, you know, if you want to act like a bar, you should be a bar, which, more power to it. I think that I happen to agree with the MTI on that point. I think if you want to be a bar, you should be a bar. However, I think the way we do that is we remove the cap and actually let them be a bar. Mm-hmm. You know, and the reason that the MTA doesn't want to remove the cap is because they've got all this money tied up in the licenses. licenses. So it's really frustrating. But at the end of this argument that I've had with him, and I've had it with him like four times, but I think I finally got it to sink into his head last night. Um, nice kid. Hmm, not the brightest. This is all online. Yeah. Um, is that at the end of the day, it's the cap that's the problem. It's the licensing that's the problem. And if we can find a way to get them their money back, mm-hmm. the MTA isn't going to have a problem with everybody else getting a liquor license, and it won't be a big deal. It just really won't. And so my solution is You don't think they'll have a problem with that? There'll be more competition? Well, but more competition is not what they should be concerned about. Because if it's fair competition... Unfair Mm -hmm. competition is what they're crying right now. They're saying, this is unfair. We had to invest all this money into our licenses. I'm like, yeah, think of all the money they had to invest to actually make a brewery. Right. Just FYI. You don't make your own stuff. Those big stainless steel things they got in there (laughs) that they brew in, they ain't cheap. It's not like they mass produce them somewhere, stamp them out, and the Hulk delivers them to your building. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, Don't you think this is sort of like... Like the MTA versus the MPA, MBA reminds me of sort of like corporate America versus the little guy, you know? So, kind it's of. Sort of Except, this well, it is. And the reason Goliath it is, is and the, David thing. Yeah. Well, the reason is because the MTA, the people that can be in the MTA have millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, because a liquor license costs millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. We've got this area of business that don't, that doesn't, we don't allow normal Montana. Jesus, can I talk this week? <laughs> We've got this area of business that we don't allow regular Montanans to be a part of because our licensing laws are so messed up. And they're literally, they're just a disaster. And they need to, it needs to be decoupled from gaming. Gaming needs to be its own license. You want a gaming license? By all means, get a gaming license. You want a liquor license? You get a liquor license. And it has nothing to do with the population because here's the thing. A free market, and this is the thing that the Republicans always say that they they want. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, I get on their case because they say they want it, but then they don't do it. It's like, if you really want a free market, this is what you do. You license everybody to do it, and you see who, you let it shake out. And sometimes it means your friends win, and sometimes that means your friends lose. Mm-hmm. You know, But a free market is going to choose where they want to go. Well, if we have a free market, and we have all these bars, then these little crappy bars that have you know stayed open simply because they're the only bars there, they're either going to have to step up their game or they're going to close. 
Good. And is, how and does this compare to how other states do licensing? Most, uh, most other states got rid of their caps decades ago. Mm. Texas got rid of it at the beginning of the 80s. Oregon sometime in the 70s. And, it, and a lot of states didn't have caps. A lot of states prohibition ended and they just went, let's sell, be- <laughs> let's sell liquor. Sell it. Exactly. So, you know, and that's what this is all from, is from Prohibition. Prohibition ended in the state of Montana when, ooh, well, we're very sort of British for no reason. And we're not going to be selling any liquor. (laughs) But you can have a beer store within 500 miles of 17 people if, you know, know, you've got to have an otter and uh, 16 badgers, nine wolverines, a bear, and... uh, I don't know. It's it's just ridiculous. Two palm two palm trees have to be planted with it. Now you know it's the laws are stupid. So what else does the bill do though? Because I've heard a lot about like you don't get popcorn. You don't. Oh yeah. So if they don't get a cabaret license, it stops them from having their tap rooms. Mm. So they can't have they can't have live music. They can't have recorded music. They can't have any food at all. Popcorn, peanuts, none of that. Um, Basically, you can go in. You can watch a video learning about the brewing process, and you can have a beer. You know, which is, I'm sorry. I don't eat the popcorn at the breweries because I've seen where people have put their hands. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even a germaphobe. Depends on no. if I'm right. really hungry. Right. I'm not, even that I'm leery of it. So if they took it away, I really wouldn't care. But the snack mix at the Rialto is the bomb. Right, but the Rialto is a bar. I know, I'm just saying. See, and the Rialto really wouldn't be effective. So I would ru- much rather go to the Rialto and eat their mix than the popcorn at the brewery right but and okay so here's the other thing we were sitting at the uh blackfoot which is right next to miller's Mm -hmm. blackfoot a brewery miller's they're friends though they are good friends and we were talking you know blackfoot's bustling everybody's in there no big deal and miller's is kind of empty Mm -hmm. and there's a couple people there but nothing big and we were talking to people would you go to miller's And they're like no if this wasn't open i just wouldn't go anywhere why well i go to miller's later in the night because it's a bar you know, and that's what it amounts to. That's what these plenty people of don't drunk get. people stumble out of the Blackfoot and go to Miller's. Yeah, and spend that's plenty later. of money. That's later. Yeah, but that's the thing is like bars can be smart and position themselves in a way that actually feeds off of the brewery right. clientele. Well, and then the other thing is, is that you've got these, you know, the MTA is claiming that there are a bunch of bars that are going out of business, they're losing their money, and it's because the tap rooms are taking the business. Okay, I look at the Eagle as a great example of this. Mandy took over that bar. It's a dive bar. It's a it's a fun place now, mm-hmm. but it's always been a dive bar. But when she took it over, she cleaned up the attitude of the staff. She cleaned up the building. Mm-hmm. One, um, they did a renovation. You know, she made sure that it happened. Handled it very well. They were only closed for a weekend. It was great, and it's a fun place to go. Mm-hmm. Is it still a dive bar? Oh, God, yes, it's still a dive bar. But since she's taken it over, they've done $150,000 in sales, more than they did the year prior. Mm-hmm. Why? Because people gay want men. to go there. Well, Why that, gay men? that and the gays had their dance there, which <laughs> is probably 60000 of it. <laughs> um, well, no, because we've only had the one event there. But No, but you guys go there all the time. Oh, we really don't. But we do go there well, more often than to. we go anywhere else. Yeah. And that's because we're welcome there, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody's welcome there. It's a great place and it's fun and it's not expensive to drink and you go there and you have a good time and there's plenty of parking and all of those things <laughs> and they're making money. These people that are like, well, we're losing money. Well, maybe it's because, you know, like, God love them. The Western. They're lazy. They're, they're complaining about, you know, they're, they're losing money. I'm like, get some bartenders that I don't know, pay attention. No offense. So I have, a, I have a good friend who's a bartender, but he bartends actually at the Western side, not at the Gold Bar side. You know, and when he's bartending, I can get a drink like that. Super simple. I ask for a drink. No, it the shows bartenders up. generally, in my experience, have been very rude at the Western. See, 
And that's the problem. And the gold bar, sometimes they're often busy and there's like one woman who's busting her ass. Right. And the way they've got their bar set up, it's that round air, you know, it's a round and they've got the island in the center and they should be able to get a couple more people in there. But it's always a nightmare to get a drink. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to hang out somewhere where it's a nightmare to get a drink. It's Montana. Design your bar. I'm not at a nightclub, but I would like to point out when I was at Rich's in Houston, I could walk from the dance floor to any of the bars that were around and get a drink within three minutes. (laughs) That's why the place was popular. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, it's annoying. So anyway, back to the whole point. I do have one. <laughs> um, anyway. I thought out. the point was that you won the argument. Oh, no. I, I don't know that I won the argument. I think I've changed his mind a little bit, but I'm trying I'm trying out the argument with a bunch of other people. I've tried it out with a couple of restaurant owners that have cabaret licenses, and they've got a lot of money tied up in those, How too. much is a cabaret license? Uh, it's to the state. Again, like 400 bucks. No big deal. But then it ends up being like 15 grand when you try to buy it because it gets auctioned off. Oh, there's only a certain amount. Right. There's only a certain amount. You have to qualify. It goes to the first person in line. That person can then auction it off because it's a transferable license. Right. Driver's license, non-transferable. Liquor license is very bizarre. Yeah. Well, there's clearly a very um, well-funded lobby behind this. Well, there is. And part of the reason that they're well-funded is because the money that's tied up into those liquor licenses is a huge amount of money. But the way we fix this is actually fairly simple. We take the average of the last five in each county that were sold... That's the amount that they're worth, and we issue them a credit with the Department of Revenue. That's it. You have this credit with the Department of Revenue. Use it however you want. It's good for whenever. You know, it's money, but it's only with the state of Montana. Because the state of Montana created this problem, the state of Montana is going to fix this problem. And that way there's no taking. They get a reasonable amount back, You know, and it falls under the whole... It's not even real estate, and technically we don't have to do anything because the Supreme Court already ruled and said that a change in licensing is not a taking. It was a gamble for them to invest in it anyway. So there, neener, neener. I think that was actually so then, in the d- Let's decision. say then you make all licenses cost $300,000. No, no, no. It. So what we would do is no, make no, a I'm... license a couple thousand, like two grand to the state. But then if somebody bought theirs for 600000 then they would have a credit with the Department of Revenue for 5900 and... Well, okay. So say that the average of the last five sold in Lewis and Clark County was $600,000. Mm-hmm. Then all of them in Lewis and Clark County, and there's like 61, I think, liquor licenses. No, 21 liquor licenses in Lewis and Clark County. Actual serving liquor licenses. Anyway, whatever the number is, they'd all have that amount of money at the state to do with whatever they want. Mm -hmm. They could use it to pay their taxes. They could use it to buy new liquor licenses. They could use it to whatever. It's money at the state, but it has to be used there. They can also sell it as money that somebody else can use. So somebody else wants to buy it as cash, you know, pay cash to that, and they can sell it off. Mm. You know, so they can get money from other sources for it, but it's money at the state of Montana. It effectively becomes a bond. And so That's a lot not, of money though. It is a lot of money, but it's money that's been created by this this inflationary bullpucky that we've done. I'm trying not to swear. Yeah, but if you look at that would be hundreds of thousands of dollars all No, over it'd the be state. millions. It'd be close to a hundred million bucks overall. Easily. There's no motivation to spend that much state money on this. But here's the thing. It's not like they're spending it out front and they can only spend it at the state. And because it frees up the liquor licenses, there'd be more revenue coming in. Small businesses could sell liquor. Liquor Mm -hmm. is a high revenue business for the state. Yeah, you could balance it by increasing the liquor tax. Absolutely. And increasing the license from 400 bucks to a couple thousand. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Texas, a, a liquor license is 17500 They have corner bars everywhere. It's great. 
And Butte, you know, corner bars everywhere in Butte. And very low DUIs. No bars anywhere in Missoula except for downtown. DUIs up the wazoo. Mm-hmm. All on reserve. <laughs> you know, and that's just it. Those are the things that you fix by having a liquor license available so that the bars can be where the people want to be. Yeah. That's going to be a ways off. I, I don't think, think it will be because I think here's, you're right, but I don't think here's I haven't heard anybody talking about fixing it like that. Well, no, they haven't. But here's what's going to happen. If they keep pushing House Bill 616, um, some friends of mine and I have gotten together and we've drafted the beginnings of a citizens initiative and we'll put it together. We'll put it in front of a couple lawyer friends of mine, one of which is a huge beer fanatic and used to be um, the lawyer for the MTA. <laughs> many years ago but he's a huge beer fanatic um put it in front of him we'll get it written and we'll have it and it'll just repeal 162205 which is the uh do i have to move my cap car? i don't think so okay uh it's 16 i think it's 162205 but it's just the cap and that's all we would remove we wouldn't give them any money. We won't do anything to help them out. If they decide to push, we're going to push back with the CI and we're going to use it against big business since they've been using it against us. Mm-hmm. And especially because they're using legislative, what are they called? Referendums. Abdications. Yeah. <laughs> uh, against us. You know, they've been pushing for this stuff and it's about time that the state of Montana, that the people of Montana stood up and said, no, mm-hmm. we're now going to fix this ourselves. Hmm. <laughs> so that's been my week. <laughs> Well, you're very animated about it. Well, I am. And Did you I'm, go to the hearing when they had it the other day? No. And I, part of the reason I didn't is because I was filming with a client and couldn't. And then the other part of it was, is I'm like, you know what? I think it'll die in the house. I think there's enough support in the house for the breweries that it's not going to be that big of a deal. Um, I haven't heard, and I haven't talked to Neil Peterson. He's the lobbyist for the gaming commission uh, or for the gaming industry. What do they care? Well, because liquor licenses are tied to gaming. So it's, it's intimately part of their business. Um, you have to... If you have, have a full a liquor, liquor license, license, you have a full gaming license, too. How's that for dumb? Let's tie our vices together. You Did you get... know what our third license that we're going to attach to that is? Is you actually have a snorting coke license? Because, you know, if <laughs> so, we're going to have vice, we might as, have, might as well have Miami can vice. Can you have a gambling license without a liquor license? Mm-mm. Nope. Hmm. No, you cannot. Which is dumb. Because 18-year-olds can gamble. <laughs> they don't have a lot of money, but they can gamble. Hmm. Anyway, so yeah. So that is hmm, the fun and excitement that that is going on. I, I hope that the House is smart enough to get its act together and kill this bill. Do you know if they've acted on it yet? They have not. They didn't take executive action on it. They're supposed to do that Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, because I believe that its deadline for transmittal to the other House is Thursday. Friday. I think it's Thursday. 67th day of the session, isn't it? All revenue bills have to be transferred by Friday. Okay. So, Friday of next week. So, they have to do it at some point next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly think that it'll... I don't think it'll go anywhere, which is a good thing. It needs to not go anywhere. And then the House um, proposed a uh, study to figure out how to fix this. And that is a good thing because they can go through and they'll figure that's out... That's where you should bring your idea. Well, and that's what I am going to do is bring the idea there. But the idea is... That's the nice way to solve it, and it really is the right way to solve it. It's not comfortable for anyone. And no, it's not going to be cheap for the state, but the state created this problem, and the state should fix this problem. And we are the state. We created this issue. We should fix it. And because we created this issue, and we've done these things that have put people in these horrible positions, and the ungodly amounts of money that we've tied up, you know, no wonder our economy is is failing. We've got liquor licenses all over the state that have tied up millions and millions of dollars that cannot be pumped through our economy. 
<laughs> Bad idea, people. Yeah, if you have to invest $600,000, how long does it take to make it back in They never sales? make it back. They never make it back. They only make it back when they turn around and sell the liquor license. That's the problem. You know, it's a, it's a ridiculous place to be. And it's also why some restaurants don't want to build here. Yeah, it's why we won't have an Olive Garden. Not that I care. I don't really want an Olive Garden. But some <laughs> other people do, and I hear about that all the time. They're like, is the, I'd like an Olive Garden. Is the quota thing by city, by county, by state? It's by city, county, and state. <laughs> There's so many it's you can the, have. Yeah, per... so many you can have inside the city limits. So many you can have inside the county within a certain range of a number of people, da-da-da, by miles. It's it's a really complex. Like, reading it yesterday, I was, like, drawing circles on maps, and after the end of it, I was going... <laughs> I think we actually get another liquor license in Helena because we've got, but I'm not sure. So <laughs> it's very bizarre. I, I'm looking at that and I'm looking at the redistricting map because it's the latest census map. And so I'm thinking that we actually do have three licenses that are available in Lewis and Clark County that haven't been issued yet. That nobody knows But about. nobody knows because they haven't done the math because the math is so messy. Uh, it's a disaster. You know, and it it shouldn't be that way. It should be, I want to go into business. I want to have a cute little corner bar in Helena. I'm going to call it the Ninth Circle because that's funny. The Ninth Circle of Helena. Dante. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> uh, paint it all red, have black leather. It'll be great. It'd be fun. It'd be a cute little place. But We'd probably I, have more to do. Right. But I can't go into that business because the barrier to entry is the license and the license as a barrier to entry is only in place because of these stupid laws that nobody agrees with anymore Mm -hmm. but you know government's a ratchet we can't ever undo the stupid shit that we've done before right so much for not swearing (laughs) i tried people i made it 21 minutes and 30 seconds (laughs) we just talked about that for 21 minutes and 30 seconds Uh, yes i'm sorry wow i know but it's it's. I tell you what, though, this I'm pretty sure to think about this, but I'm pretty sure that the day that hearing was is the busiest the Capitol has been. In well, the it was morning. a Medicaid hearing too. Yeah, that was in the afternoon, but um, it was basically a full building for that Brewers bill. Yeah, and nobody was there in support of it except for Big Sky Brewing, who shot themselves in their own wallet. Way to go, douchebags. I don't know what they were thinking. Actually, I do know what they were thinking because they crossed the 10,000 barrel limit a long time ago. A long time ago. And so they they had to lose their taproom or stop growing. So they lost their taproom. They made a decision to continue to grow, which is a great thing. But they'd like to have their taproom back. So yeah, I can understand where they're coming from. What would it do for them then? I don't understand. It would open up it would open up a cabaret license so they'd be able to open up effectively a bar on the front of their thing and sell their beer as the taproom. So they'd get their taproom back. So I can understand where they're at. And they're just the biggest deal in the state? They're the biggest brewery. Now. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they will be after they piss so many people who like breweries off. Because, you know, it's one of those... Eh. And I've never been a, I've never been a huge fan of Moose Roll. I'm like, eh. It's kind of chalky to me. I don't know why. Are they the ones that do summer honey? I don't know. I think I like that. Hmm. Anyway. Anywho. So, yeah. So that's where that's at. It's wow. one of those one of those weeks where I've just been wanting to rage against the machine, and I'm not sure what the machine is. <laughs> but I do think that, like, the, at least on the social media, it has been sort of a David versus Goliath thing. There's a lot of people who are really passionate about protecting the breweries. Well, yeah, because sort of they're, like, they're strictly a community thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so there was that. And then speaking of social media, Facebook went red. 
Mm, that was pretty cool. That was very cool. Did you see the stats they released today? Mm-mm. So their internal, um, this is both interesting and creepy at the same time. Mm-hmm. So Facebook did analysis on all the stuff that changed over the, the last couple of days versus what had happened the weeks prior or the Tuesdays prior to see what, it, what you know, sort of changes happened. And uh, the change of profile pictures to something different, they don't really know what. They don't always track what it is. Which, thank God, because that'd be Google creepy. <laughs> um, the change of the pictures on that day was up by like 120%, which means that instead of like three or four million, they had like seven, eight million, something wow. like that. Changes. Changes on that day. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just your imagination that Facebook went red. It actually went red. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So, and uh, did you get to listen to the Supreme Court arguments? No. Did you have any time? I was too busy doing my legislative work to enjoy it but i would have loved to and then i googled like listen to supreme court arguments uh i did all this this stuff to try to find sort of like a recording of it and Mm -hmm. couldn't find it so i haven't watched or listened i'll send it to you i've got a copy of it i pulled it down um it's very interesting uh which day well the one that i got to listen to was the uh prop 8 hearing and at the end of it i'm kind of inclined to go with everybody else that are thinking they're just going to call um, foul, basically. They're like, eh, you don't get to play the game, which is they don't have standing to defend the law. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter. It just ends with it was found unconstitutional at the Ninth Circuit. It's done. You don't have standing to defend it. Therefore, California gets their marriages back and it doesn't affect anybody else. Which is weird because it immediately means that the Helena cases that are challenging our state ban, our constitutional ban, mm-hmm. since we're in the Ninth Circuit, would immediately be validated. And so I think it would affect us if somebody were to stand up. And I know a couple of people that could. Um, so it's interesting. I don't know. I'm sure the ACLU would. I'll have to ask Nikki. We'll have to get her on the show and talk about what's going on. She'll have a better handle. I on don't it. really understand what you just said. So, if so the we're Supreme part of the Court, Ninth Circuit. No, I know that. I was raised by an attorney who argued in front of the Ninth Circuit. Okay. I know that. Okay. <laughs> what I don't understand is the scenario where the Supreme Court rules. They say the ninth circuit thing stands. And then you said something about how Montana. Uh, okay. So would then... what, what would happen is because, because the case went to the ninth circuit, the ninth circuit decided it. Right. It yeah. serves as precedent. Right. I get it that. serves as precedent in the, in but for all we the have states that are in the ninth circuit. File something to the ninth circuit or it would just, well, we've already got the precedent. cases that are going up. We've got the ones right. and they're going before they went before the Montana Supreme court, but we still haven't gotten a ruling. Right. Why haven't we gotten a ruling? Well, we got denied. It got sent back to the lower court. Right. Because it said they, they said the lower court should actually hear it. They said that the lower court should hear it, but mainly what they said was that the plaintiffs had to be more explicit in terms of what laws would have to change. Right. So, I mean, technically, the Supreme Court hasn't given final ruling on it. Right. So we have that case. Mm-hmm. Then, because they could include the amendment to our our constitution that said that marriage is between a man and a woman now parallels what was done in California, mm-hmm. they could say that. Then they say, yes, that actually does fall under the same ruling that the Ninth Circuit has. Rule it unconstitutional. And unless Tim Fox decides he's going to defend it, which he would, um, then it would stop. But if he decides to defend it, it goes to the Ninth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit's already ruled on a similar case. They're just going to take it immediately rule again Mm -hmm. so and it's not going to go any farther unless tim defends it which tim could and then it goes to the supreme court and then he'd have standing so if they rule there's no standing then it becomes a supreme court case or they rule that tim tim would have standing because he's actually the ag 
the Supreme Court sounds like they're going to rule that the people that are defending Prop 8, because they're not actually the state officials, don't have standing. So since the state officials so agree with that, then the it's decision, just kind of like wah wah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> exactly. So and I'm but not. But is exactly it good sure. for us if that happens? Yeah, it's a step in the right direction. It's not the step we want to take, but you know, it's not bad. They're not upholding and saying, "Yeah, gays deserve to be penalized for being gay." Right. You know, it doesn't sound like it's going that way. I mean, it's so good. It's the Supreme Court. Betting on them is a lot like betting on cats. Good mm-hmm. luck. This one won. That other one killed three dogs. We don't even know why. <laughs> so did you listen to the Doma one as well? Mm. I haven't heard that yet. I haven't found a recording of it. Um, but and sure what's that challenging? So the Defense of Marriage Act? Oh, I know what that is, but I mean, the case is... A Windsor v. Cha- challenging whether or not that's valid. Doma. Right. They're saying that the Defense of Marriage Act, because it's the first <coughs> time the federal government has enacted a law that allows the federal government to ignore... Whether somebody's married or not, based on a state, because it's not, you know, when you're married, that it doesn't say by the power invested in me by the state of Montana and the United States of America, just says by the state of Montana, Mm because the states control marriage. Pretty simple, yeah? Um, The Defense of Marriage Act negates that. And it only does it for a specific group of people, and it was found to be unconstitutional because it unfairly proscribes a... Uh, minority group of people from a constitutional right by reason of a power that Congress does not have. Mm -hmm. So it's been found unconstitutional by three different parts of the constitution. Therefore, you know, it should be there. Her challenge went before the Supreme court and they seemed very sympathetic uh, that it is unconstitutional and it will probably be ruled that way. So then what's the impact of that? That means that anybody who's married in the States that have gay marriage are married in the eyes of the federal government, so their tax returns are correct, their inheritance is correct, all that stuff. They're married. Married. Mm -hmm. Married. That's all there is to it. So Doma won't exist anymore. Right. So then it becomes more interesting because there's the full faith and credit uh, clause. Right. Where they're supposed to, you know, if you're married in one state, you're married in all states. Um, But we have some states that explicitly say that you're not married, and then that becomes in conflict with, you know individual rights versus the state rights and individual rights trump the state in that case my head just exploded can i can i bump it against this microphone (laughs) this is a discussion what happens i wonder what it sounds like when i do that (laughs) um i don't know i'm looking at the waveform and it's probably nothing because that i see (laughs) (laughs) okay well there's a reason that i knew something was going on at the supreme court but didn't really want to get into the weeds about it because my brain just exploded as we talked about that i just hope that whatever happens is good news me too and that at some point in my life if i choose to get married i will be able to do so i think you will be able to i think it's coming faster than we realize and probably like a friend of mine in new york he's like i hope the supreme court actually doesn't rule that gay marriage should be legal nationwide because there'll be a big backlash he's gay i looked at a tweet i looked at him i'm like are you high i said you know when loving versus virginia went up there was no there was like 36 percent support nationwide for interracial marriage and the supreme court looked at this and said it doesn't matter that you don't like this it matters that we treat people like people so this is wrong it's done over End of story. End of discussion. That's all there is to it. And right. There... All we would need is for some high-level politician to have an affair afterwards. After they ruled that, 
and then everybody would focus on something else. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it assumes. Or Lady Gaga needs another new hip. I don't it know. It assumes it's just... that the American public actually pays attention to something for longer than six a minutes. second. Six, yeah. Seconds. So it's like they would rule. We'd all be able to get married within a month or two. Enough people would, you know, shit their pants enough that it would be fine. Somebody else would do something and distract their attention, and then. Life right, would go Monsanto on. would be back in the news. Nobody gives a fine. crap about interracial marriage anymore. Like, yeah, there's still going to be little enclaves of families who are uptight, but that's still true about everything. Right, you know? and that's going to happen. Yeah. You you won't change individuals' minds, but you will change how society works. And that's an important thing. That's a very important thing. Mm-hmm. I just get so tired of having these arguments. I'm arguing over liquor and I'm arguing over civil rights. <laughs> I'm a 40-year-old white male. Neither of these two things should be this important to me. <laughs> well, that's anyway, true. so my that's been hurts. that was my week. I'm sorry that your head hurts over that. That hurt my head. Well, I saw your All picture on Facebook today and marriage talk. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like so. Here's what I think about the Facebook going red. Okay. First of all, it was like Monday night. And I saw it on somebody's and I posted it a couple times on my page. Like, hey, everybody, change your Facebook to red. I was really moved. I'm not so much as like everybody else that was like crying and stuff. But I was really moved by the fact that everybody changed their pictures. And what was interesting was being able to go through my friends list and see who hadn't. And I had to, with those people, sort of think about, is it because they're not on Facebook or is it because... They're bigots. Right. Or there were sort of three categories. They're not regularly on Facebook. They're bigots or they're like nonconformists. Well, okay. So I worried about the nonconformist thing too. Cause I was like, okay, not everybody's going to do it. I really didn't want to do this either. But then I thought, well, I better do this because I am, you know, I rail against this shit. I might as well show my support. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I did it. And then I was like, you know what? I've got Photoshop. I'm going to put my little cartoon face that I've got. I'll put that over the red. Yeah, side. It'll it. be fun. So I did that. And then immediately after that, I saw the bacon one and posted it with Mike Wessler. Somebody made this for you, which is so true. Cause that's very mm-hmm. much him. Uh, man puts bacon salt in his water. <laughs> right. Bacon and civil rights, his two most important things. Exactly. And and should, you know, and he PBR. be allowed to marry bacon? Right. We're not sure that he wouldn't. So, <laughs> Well, so what I thought it was funny, it was there was maybe about 12 hours where it was this really sort of moving thing where as, I mean, my whole feed was one person after another changing their picture. And they mm-hmm. were all just basically the two lines within the red square. The equal sign. So, yeah. um... For about, like I said, 12 hours or so from Monday night until Tuesday midday, that's what was showing up. By Tuesday afternoon, it was bedazzled ones. It was the bacon. It was the unicorn. It was the, it the was true the blood vampire one. Yeah. It was, Bert and Ernie. <laughs> it was everything that they could possibly do. Two Batman symbols. Right. Two puppies. Exactly. Couple of cats. Exactly. <laughs> and so for about eight hours, it, it started getting on my nerves because I felt like this thing that for like a moment was sort of emotional and moving and inspirational that all these people made this choice. It just spoke to me about the fact that like Either it's like an American thing or just that most of the people I know are too non-conforming to really stick with a simple, you know, red and white symbol that within another couple hours, it was like everybody had their own version of it. And then what bothered me, and this was probably just my mood this week because I was super bitchy all week because it was (laughs) such a hard week. But then it bothered me because then you have the people who are like, in my opinion, 
And this is different. So there, again, there's sort of three categories mm-hmm. that showed up in my head as this evolved. There's the non-conforming, which I can kind of understand. Identify with. Like somebody like you who wants to sort of take the picture and make it a little bit more. There's the people who started sort of mocking it, in my opinion, sort of trivialized it by doing different things. Batman and Bacon. Right. And again, like I can get over it. You know, it felt trivialized in like a moment and I understand whatever. And then there's the people who are just, they take themselves so damn seriously. So then it was like, well, I'm not going to use the red with the two lines because HRC only cares about gay marriage and don't they care about all these other things. And then there was like the, you know, fist with words on it sort of hopefully we'll be done with gay marriage so we can get on to other social justice issues. And there was like, um, instead of two lines, like, you know, uh, like a less than sign being, um, and that's because, you know, gay marriage doesn't recognize the rights. I mean, it was just like, Oh my God, can we just for a day put this symbol and have it mean (laughs) something? And then it's like this, you know, Facebook moment. No, we had to, you know, nonconform bedazzle, trivialize and be so uptight that we have to use this as another moment to not just celebrate one issue. Like for, I, I care about so many things when it comes to human and civil rights and social justice, economic justice, whatever. But for a day, I'm okay with using the HRC symbol that says something to the community, you know? And I get that other people aren't like that, but it was just sort of like, that's how I received it that day. I was like, okay, everybody, you're annoying me. So back to today, I was just like, all right, it's, I had it for three days. I did the thing. I did two days of just straight up sign. And then I did one day of the, um, female Snoopy characters coming at each other because it's funny when you look at cartoons and realize just how many gay people there are in cartoons. Are you talking about Peppermint Patty? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what did I call them? The Snoopy kids. I'm like, yeah. it's the Peanuts kids. Yeah. But that's peanuts, cool. whatever. You know what I meant. And so today I was like, you know what? I just want something new. And then I was like looking through all my pictures, and none of the ones of me currently were sort of fun enough. I, I'm so bored with what I look like at 36. You know what I mean? No, not that I, I, I love myself, I think I'm great. And you are. But I looked at all those pictures and especially all these like staunchy ones from my campaign and stuff like that. And I was looking through old photos and I was like, this is how I feel today. I feel like the sort of 11 year old version of myself that used to wear rainbow leotards and was in dance class and had ridiculously big hair with a spiral perm. I like it. So I changed my photo. (laughs) And now everybody's commenting on it. And I just think it's funny because I'm just like, well, this is what I felt like being today. Well, I think it was awesome. Awesome. I think. So to go back to your thoughts on the three yes. different groups, like the first group, I think were the were very much the people that are tied into politics, and I'm you know I'm tied mm-hmm. into politics, but for some reason I really didn't see it. I saw it happening, and I was kind of going, eh. and yeah, I fall into that nonconformist group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shocking, but then I don't think that anybody who took it and made it their own was doing it in a mocking way. I, I think know. they were. I think they were. I told you I was everybody. bitchy. Right, you were. Um, <laughs> I think they were reminding everybody that as a collective. You know, it's funny because you talk about the gay movement and you talk about gay civil rights and all the things that we've done. It's such a non-monolithic group. There is so much diversity that happens in all the things that we do. And then you add straight people to that. I right. mean, come on. Exactly. There was a bunch of straight people who were like willing to make a stand for gay marriage, but it needed to be bedazzled. That's fine. Right. Or you know? it needed to be Batman. Right. Great. Exactly. Happy. Whatever when I saw the unicorn do. one, I sent it to Jen and was like, I know you have to post this because she's obsessed with anything unicorn. So I got it. I just had right. that moment where I was like, let's not trivialize this. But I don't think they were trivializing it. And I think it makes Some it interesting. Some people were. Well, oh, of course There's always a were. handful. 
Right. And there were a bunch of people that turned their Facebook red and had like thumbs down stuff because they were like, we're against this. Really? Oh, yeah. See, none of those people are my friends. Uh, they're really? not mine anymore either. <laughs> so that's how, because, you know, a lot of people were like, I defriended people, whatever. In my whole network of the universe, unless I already have them blocked or don't see them in my news feed, I had a lot of people who I knew who didn't change their profile, but mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody who had sort of a no gay marriage um, is bad. I saw a couple of them and I didn't see a lot of them. So I was kind of impressed with the whole thing, but there are always going to be those people that are just out there and a little bit farther than you're uncomfortable going, eh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was so really good. I think it was really good that there was a, a concerted effort, not like a thought of effort, but a, a a concerted you know group function where we all went out and made it our own because that is really what the gay movement is about: live yeah. your own damn life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like I said, most of the time I was over it within like five minutes of being yeah. annoyed. But it was you're pretty like, you're funny. You're trivializing this, and was, I need a drink. <laughs> it was pretty funny to see all the different versions come out, and I'm glad I didn't see any haters. Because what would you do? Like, if you had a friend who put up a "I hate gay marriage" thing, would you defriend them, or do you? No, entertain? I would argue with them. To I have this rule on Facebook that I don't defriend anybody, but I will argue with them until the point that they defriend me. That has worked um, with Christy <laughs> Allen Galushas. It worked at one point with Jamie Greer. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm. So, no, I won't defend anybody because I'm allowed to have my own opinions and they're allowed to have theirs. But, you know, free speech isn't free. If you're going to say something and it and it's something that I disagree with, I'll challenge you on it. And that's important. If I say something and you disagree with me, you need to challenge me on it. Because I may not have seen it from your perspective. I may have not have thought of your perspective. I try to think about every issue from all sides. I'm usually pretty good at, about that. And that's not tooting my own horn. That's actually something I'm good at. But... That doesn't mean I do it all the time. I'm human. I'm fallible. Well, I'll give you I'm fallible. I don't know about human. But <laughs> see, I don't know what's going on with me, but I'm having more and more difficulty um being okay with bigots. So I know where you're at. If I yeah, I mean and actually if you look at any sort of evolution of someone's you know, identity stuff. You go through all these various stages. Mm-hmm. You probably know yeah. about the stages of identity. But for and me... And I remember when I was there, when I had a real... And actually, it was when I was a main. Right. And my boss, who was very Christian, um, loved me, thought I was a great worker, d- was not about my equal rights. And I fought against him all the time on it. You know, and then I'd go and do my work, and he'd do his work, and mm-hmm. we were fine working together, and then we'd fight over that shit. And it was hysterical to everybody else that saw it, because they're like, how do you two work together? And I was like, I honestly don't know. Because really, if I start to think about it, he makes me so fucking angry. I have to leave. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I uh, can't even deal with it. And to this day, he's still on that side. I still haven't managed to convince him that it's worthwhile. I just can't do anything about it. But it doesn't get me to the point where I'm like, he's a horrible person because of it. Because he's not, you know, other than that one issue, he doesn't think that we deserve I, the right. I think that there's a difference between, like, I'm not trying to declare other people as horrible people. I have gotten to a point where in certain aspects, I don't want to expose myself or sort of be associated with that. So let me give you an example. And first of all, I recognize that when I'm in the legislative session, I'm so much more sensitive to some of these things because we spend every day up there sort of fighting that really bigoted perspective. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm out of the legislative session, I'm sure I'm a little bit more relaxed about this. But I think about it sort of in the like immediate uh, circle category. So friends, family, friends of friends, you know, people who are in your daily life 
or who should be, right? Mm-hmm. And then what the rest of the world thinks, part of my job is to try to influence what the rest of the world thinks, right? And right. that's part of changing society. But I, I don't concern myself so much with the fact that there's all these people who don't believe I should have civil rights. I mean, I do in the sort of professional context. What I'm saying is that like, whether it's on Facebook or people I hang out with or whatever, I don't really feel like at this point in my life, spending energy or being associated with people who don't believe that I'm equal to them. And, and in the same way that like, I don't really feel like um, being associated with or influenced by people who are really racist or who are whatever, you know, not that I don't understand that some people are racist. I just don't feel like Everyone's that's something, a little bit racist. Right. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like if a friend no, I do. posted an overtly racist thing, I'm not going to associate with that person. See, and I guess you misunderstood what I'm saying. I deliberately provoke them so that they unfriend me. <laughs> yeah. And I will literally, I'll take them to an argumentative place where they can't handle it and they will unfriend me. And mm-hmm. I think it's funny because they're coming from such an irrational place. One, it's easy to get them on, to go on that trip. It's like, here's your ticket to crazy town. Let me show you the train. <laughs> and two, I think it's more fun. And, and you know, I, I obviously have far too much time on my hands if I'm doing too much of this, but I don't do it that often mm-hmm. because I just don't see that many people. At this point, there are very few people on my Facebook who don't know exactly who I am and at least tolerate it to a point where they don't say anything. So if they say something, they know they're going to get a face full of it. Right. Because mm. I'm not quiet. And I stopped being quiet years ago because quiet kills me. Um, and it's not that's not a metaphor. That's actually true. I think that as I'm quiet and I let these things happen and I don't speak up, my soul dies. Mm-hmm. You know, a part of me just ceases to be. And I refuse to do that anymore. I refuse to be that person that stands by and lets the shit go on. You know? So- and it's not... And I think it's funny because I think, you know, you're looking at this going, well, I don't associate with those people. I'm like, I'm sure you don't. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely positive that you don't. <laughs> and I don't think it's because you've gone out of your way to remove them in any sort of conscious way. But I think, you know, knowing you as well as I do now, mm-hmm. um, I think it's very obvious to everyone who knows you, whether they're your friend or not, exactly where you stand where you stand and they're not they're not dumb enough to put themselves in front of that steamroller. <laughs> That's true. And I guess again I want to distinguish between I mean most of my work life, most of my professional experience is about trying to change society, is about coming up against bigotry and hatred and um, discrimination and trying to change it. And so part of it is just an evolution where in my personal life I have lost tolerance for surrounding myself with people who have that sort of belief system, if that makes sense. And it's been highlighted recently because obviously certain relationships in my life have sort of shut down because of it. But a friend of mine is in a situation this weekend that reminded me of sort of how much I struggle with this particular thing. So let's say, so we're gay. You and I are gay, right? I am. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thanks for letting everyone you, know. <laughs> and you're lucky to have parents who love and accept you. I am. Yes. As am I. Mostly. And um, <laughs> so let's say that wasn't true. So let's say I'm a lesbian and my dad um, is incredibly conservative and religious and believes that I'm an abomination and a sinner and all those things. And I've recently come out to him. Right. And my brother who loves me and accepts me 
is in a situation where, um, you know, he's having to continue to associate with our dad. He's getting married and having to decide between inviting the dad to the wedding versus having the gay sister sort of there and feel comfortable. So to the extent where people are, did this actually happen? Yes. So this is happening and I'm not going to say who it is or anything, but let's say this is, this is not you. It's somebody else. This is somebody else. So I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't know you had a brother. Right. Okay. So this is, this is somebody who's in a situation where, um, they're sort of in the middle of this family dynamic that's existing. And I try to put myself in that position. So let's say my dad, and this is not true, everybody, in case you know my dad, my dad, let's say he was, I hadn't spoken to him for two years and it was because of this religious fervor sort of I'm bad and he's told me I'm bad and, and he wants to, you know, get the devil out of me kind of a thing. And my sister was getting married and she was having me in the wedding and wanted me to be a part of it. Now she's in the position where she's having to decide whether or not to invite her father and me and how that dynamic's going to play out. And I, I just feel so frustrated by that reality, which is that somehow we're supposed to tolerate the bigot so that everybody can sort of get along. And where does that person who's in my position how are they supposed to interact in that situation? And where is the sister who like wants her dad to be at her wedding versus feeling really disgusted by his behavior? I guess that's part of the thing where I just feel like I have a lot of tolerance for people um, having whatever beliefs they want to have, you know, but to but the your ex- beliefs are internal. But yeah. And to the extent that it's so hurtful and leaves all of these people in these positions of having to sort of decide how to navigate a situation where, um, you know, I just feel, I, I don't know what I would do in that situation because I don't know that I would be okay with sort of putting up with this person who had rejected me so significantly in that sort of a family environment you know, but I think a lot of gay people end up in that situation where there's certain people in their family who are okay with it. And there's certain people who aren't. And yet the gay person's the one that's supposed to just sort of deal yes. with that. Well, and you know, it, it's that takes back to the, the movie, the birdcage, which I think we discussed on one of the shows sometime. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, my mom thought it was hysterical and couldn't understand why I, I was upset about upset by it. And I'm like, I shouldn't have to hide. Mm-hmm. Neither should he. That's that's the God's honest truth. And what is the responsibility of the other people in that situation who aren't gay, who are sort of, you know, allowing it to happen or asking the gay person to not be themselves, whatever, well, you know? Well, and here's, here's where I stand on the whole thing. You shouldn't ask somebody to not be themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have somebody who's acting like a bigot towards somebody that you love, even if it is somebody else that you love, you do what's right, which is unfortunate in a situation like that. But you tell your dad, sorry, you're not going to be here. You are not welcome if you cannot handle your fucking daughter. Right. And if you're not going to be an adult, you're not going to be at the big day for my adult friends. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. Yeah. You know, and that sucks. And that's a horrible thing to have to do. But at the end of the day, you did the right thing and your day will be so much better for it. Because if you invite them both, they're going to create drama. 
And if you and not even if even if there isn't drama, the fact that your sibling that you know is wrong. Yeah, and the fact that your sibling has to be in that situation, like that's right. the part that if the tables were turned, if I was the straight one and my sister was gay, and somebody had had that belief about her, not They're only gone. would not they not be at my wedding, but they would not be in my life. Right. Because you, it's like one and the same. Right. You know what I mean. And, and if you. Choose to let somebody make you do something wrong. You are not just wrong once. You're wrong twice. Mm-hmm. And that's not where you want to be as a person. Now, this is this is where being uh, a part of our society is really, really tough. Because we have this intrinsic desire to conform on some level to be a part of a group. Mm-hmm. And, and family is the most right, and tempting. Right. And family is the like, core group. Yeah. There's... This other part of it, though, that you've got to understand in order for you to be a full human being, a full person, a full citizen, is that when you know something is right, you stand up for it, even if you stand alone. Mm -hmm. And that's not comfortable. It's not nice. It's not friendly. It is a windblown cliff over a lake of fire, and you stand there, and it sucks, and you still do it. Because at the end of the day... You have to look yourself in the mirror every morning. And there's, the last thing you want to do is look in the mirror and go, I should have done that. Mm-hmm. So. How was the rest of your week? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, I don't know. This week was really hard. Like the political shenanigans that I was dealing with was just exhausting. I think last. When did we meet last week? Thursday or Friday. Thursday. Wednesday. Yeah, I don't even remember. It was Wednesday. Anywho. Um, so the last seven days after that of legislative stuff was incredibly frustrating. My bill that I've been working on has still not been acted on last week. We were considering whether or not we wanted to blast it to the house floor and looked at the situation and said, those guys are going to be arguing about bonding bill and state pay plan and all the appropriations bills. We don't want to be in the middle of that. So we decided to ask the speaker to hold off and, um, Hopefully it'll be up this coming week. But the other big thing that happened is that I've been working really, really hard on getting funding for... Mm. Oh, that's your phone. It is. Keep talking. Um, I've been working really hard on getting state funding for victim service programs in Montana. And... Um, Anything? Well, Movement? so I got a... I've been working behind the scenes for the last two and a half months. I finally got a bill introduced. It was a great proposal introduced in the house and speaker blaisdell kind of screwed me on this one he's been fine on the other bill as i've been trying to work that one but he sent it to house judiciary <laughs> instead of house appropriations the and it's a straight up fields. yeah and it's a straight up appropriations bill and not only did he send it to house judiciary but he sent it and they heard it on the last possible day they could and executive action was two seconds after the hearing And so the hearing was brutal. The executive action was brutal. And to make matters worse, most of the Democrats on that committee. So the committee's already a killing ground. It's horrible. That committee knows us like we're, you know, their redheaded sister or something. And to make matters worse, after a brutal hearing and executive action, most of the Democrats weren't even there. So what would have made the hearing bearable was if there was Democrats there asking us questions to counter the Republican questions. But like, Three of them were there, and they were mute. And then when, when they went into his executive action, the only one that was there to speak was Margie McDonald, and then Jen Gursky came in and said a few things. But the rest of the committee members, mainly because they were in other hearings, 
weren't there. And so not only was it sort of brutal to be in house judiciary, but we didn't even have people who care about the issue. Like we need them to there to sort of speak up, ask questions, whatever. So the bill went down on a party line vote, 12, eight, and it's essentially dead because the only way I could have kept it moving forward is if I would have blasted it that day or the next day. And I had to make a political calculation about whether or not I wanted to blast it and sort of shame Republicans when in a few days I need them to pass this really important change to a legal statute. So and this is where the compromises in politics come into play. Yeah. What do you, did you get so to listen in- to the last HB2 or um, politics boom? I did. And we'll go into that. Finish your yeah. story. So, so I was very upset after this hearing. Um, if anybody who had to deal with me in the next 20 minutes after the hearing was sort of like, um, so I was very upset. People I had to make this Kelsen's very face, but it was yeah. very frightening. And she grew horns. It was very bizarre. I had to make this political decision. And once I made it, I sort of felt better. The other thing that helped is, um, I think I have a commitment from a Republican center who happens Senator who happens to be my BFF right now, um, to move an amendment on house bill two and Senate finance and claims. So the reality is I could sort of feel better about letting go of the bill that I had in the house because I potentially have an amendment, um, sponsor in the Senate. So I lived through the week. Um, it was a very interesting week. I was basically at the Capitol the whole week and they discussed campaign finance. They discussed all these appropriations bills. It was just a very intense week at the legislature. And then yesterday when everybody went home, it was such a relief because everybody was so on edge and pissy and so much stuff going on behind the scenes. They had both Medicaid on Monday and on Wednesday. I mean, it was just so intense. Wednesday's public health hearing went till like 10 o'clock at night, you know? So people absolutely needed to leave. And I'm really hopeful that everybody will come back all like, you know, Easter eggs and sunshine and uh, be ready to pass my bill next week. That would be good. Yeah. What were we talking about? Politics. Boom. Did you hear that? So I listened to you and Galen. Uh Uh-huh. And I made it through about 45 minutes of the show. So did you get to the discussion of House Bill 2? Yeah, I, I had to. I think I was listening to it when I was in the bathtub the other night and I had to get out of the bath, and you guys were on pensions, so I haven't okay, listened good. to the rest of it. So but... you listened to all of Houseville too, though. Yeah, I did. So I think that was interesting, and I kind of wanted to know what was going on at the Capitol this week in reaction to it, but mm-hmm. I really don't know if that the Senate has even seen the bill. So what? What? My assessment of what happened is that two a week and two, you know, two weeks ago, yeah, basically. Uh, everybody was having this love fest that we talked about. They passed House Bill 2 unanimously. Nobody wanted to do anything to rock the boat because it was all this nonpartisan, whatever. Last week was partisan. Really? Yes. So, so granted, it, it, there was still... So by Saturday, it was all over. We were back to bed knobs. For more like by Tuesday. Them. So by well, Tuesday. Tuesday is when they passed it. Because Monday night is when I saw No, I'm talking about this week. Oh, Tuesday of this yeah. week. Okay. So, so the week before, week. that's what I mean. The that's week nice. before, there was... Yeah. And then this week... Like, things sort of started out okay, but then they went downhill. And granted, they passed the pay plan, and they passed a long-range appropriations bill with bipartisan support, but the tenor in the building changed significantly. People were so pissed about what's happening with Medicaid, and the Democrats were getting screwed in committees, and all these things that were sort of going down mm-hmm. um, really changed it, which is why I decided not to do anything with my bill, because I'm like, I hope everybody comes back and feels better next week, because this week it was ugly. Like... <coughs> both 
both the House and the Senate. Like I said, the Senate had a four hour debate on the Senate floor on Monday afternoon about the campaign finance bill, and it was ugly. And that wasn't so much uh, the two parties. It was like the Republican moderates versus the Republican conservatives. Yeah. There is the, the so much going on in the Senate. Be, oh my uh, God. Very interesting. What's, what's really interesting is that, okay, so mom's Republican. Mm-hmm. All of her friends are Republican. Uh, my tax attorney's big Republican. Um, and, and what do they think about what's going all. on? Well, I was talking to my tax attorney and he goes, you know, the Republican party was founded and really took form and had cause when it decided that it was going to emancipate the black people from slavery because they understood that doing that destroys both sides and being that way is a horrible thing to do. And so they did the right thing. They sucked it up and yes, it sucked and they had political calculation, blah, 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 but they did the right thing. And he goes, I don't understand why the Republican party today would think that it's any less of their responsibility to emancipate people from the oppression of poverty and the lack of medical care. This is your tax attorney? Yeah. This is this is a Republican. Why isn't he at the hearing testifying? Because he's busy doing taxes. Uh, Although it's tax season. We could have really used his voice in that Medicaid hearing the other night. Well, so he didn't realize it until after the hearing that this is what was going down. Because all the people that he's talked to, you know, they're not the sitting Republicans, but they're powerful Republicans. They're powerful people. Um, he's They're all in agreement. So these nut jobs that have these positions... Mm-hmm. that are out of line with the Republican Party are going to get their asses handed to them. Because the and Republican already... Party is done is done putting up with the Tea Party. The Tea Party was a nice idea because it was it started out, it was supposed to be the people that were true Republicans, true conservatives. They're not fundamentalists. They have nothing to do with religion. They are strictly about, we shouldn't be spending this much money on, that, on this much bullshit, which is fine. That's not what that group is anymore. And that group has become psychotic. They've become Teabagistan. <laughs> um, I love that term. It's from Joe, my God. I think it's fantastic. But it, that's exactly what they've become. But they've managed to piss off a, a very solid group of, of reasonable Republicans, very middle of the road people that happen to believe that social issues are good. You know, that social change is a positive change, that doing things like gay marriage is a no brainer. So they're very much our allies. And yes, they're going to fight us on some of the things that we want funded. But that's okay. We need those fights. We need to justify why we're spending money. We need to have some logic behind those things. And if we don't have anybody to challenge us on them, we won't think about it. We'll just spend the money. Well, Medicaid expansion is still not dead. And two things that happened was that, you know, the MHA and DA Davidson and all these, you know, traditionally Republican groups were absolutely in support of Medicaid expansion. And now to make matters worse for Senator Priest, um, the Montana Chamber has come out for for it. Chamber of Commerce. So it's not dead. It's going to be. And a few others. Well, priest shouldn't be a problem because I'm pretty sure... Didn't he just get a divorce? Yeah. And don't we know some stuff about him? Should we <laughs> be spreading that. dirt? Stop that. No, there's much more than priest. But he is the chair of the Senate Public Health Committee, which is where this hearing was the other night. And no. if you want to watch politics in action, so from the hearing on 327 in Senate Public Health and Welfare and Safety in the Montana legislature, there was a... About a four-hour hearing. It was Medicaid expansion, whatever. The committee then went into executive action, and they started considering those Medicaid bills. And it was about 8.30, 9 o'clock, and they had started at 3. The 20 minutes that they discussed executive action on the Medicaid bill at the end of the hearing is 
like as a political junkie, so much fun to watch. So if you're really interested, you can download the hearing and watch that last 20 minutes. But Senator Jurgison, who's literally been a, you know, public servant in one capacity or another since like the late 60s, early 70s, something like that. He is on that committee and he's old and apparently a diabetic because one of his rants in this executive action was, I'm diabetic and I've only had an orange. You know, it was pretty funny. Not that he is diabetic and was hungry, but just that like things got so bad that they're like screaming about that. But anyway, so at the end, all this political maneuvering was happening and Jergison, um, the thing that they did is the Republicans on that committee are super smart too. And they moved what's called a do not pass motion. And basically what that does is um, kills the bill because then it goes on second reading with a do not pass motion as opposed to being on the table where you can blast it and whatever. And it's too complicated to explain. But Jurgensen is smart enough to know that that's what's happening. So as they're taking the vote on that, he does a substitute motion to table and then he does a substitute motion to adjourn and that fails and then they pass the motion whatever um if you like politics and you understand you know rules of procedure and stuff like that it's super fun to watch because it was like these really smart very tired very grumpy people like grasping at straws (laughs) (laughs) grasping at straws and poor mary caffaro is the only woman on that committee and she's so passionate about this issue she was just like at her wits end but it was a really interesting hearing so the bill's not dead there's going to be some um political fireworks on the senate floor on tuesday about it and we'll see what happens but medicaid expansion is one of those things that i'm like personally very passionate about and i really don't understand why it is that we don't understand that people need health care in this country and that was, you know i've got to talk to mike miller because he got a piece of information and it's from chris ship so god only knows how right. inaccurate it is <laughs> um you know he's a lawyer i don't understand how he can't read um, he was talking about of the 70,000 people that it would cover 40,000 actually have insurance. I'm like, that's bull. no, that's not at all true. Yeah, of course they're going to say something like that. But they're getting they're not getting that information from any place that's, you know, oh, I don't know, r- right. legitimate. It's very personal to me because my partner um, works her butt off. She's worked for over 20 years with adults with disabilities. She has two teenage sons. She owns her own home. She's not in debt. She's never been on public assistance. Her employer, who she um, has worked for for many years, pays her um, just enough to sort of have that life and doesn't provide health insurance. And she can't afford health insurance nobody can afford health insurance. doesn't have health insurance and so having somebody you love not have health insurance is incredibly scary and frustrating and there's nothing you can do about it and this program if they expand medicaid and believe me i think there's so much bigger of a fix that needs to happen in health insurance but this particular proposal considering the feds are going to pay for it And we'll figure out a way to pay for it because we're going to save money in the long run. But it would directly benefit somebody I care about. And it's really hard to watch them talk about the issue and talk about the freeloaders and all this. It's just like this is for working people whose employers do not provide health insurance. And and what kills me about this is that the people who it really benefits outside of the urban areas. I mean, and you know, love Jen. She's delightful. Mm -hmm. But she's in Helena. She has access to some things that you wouldn't have access to in Keevan, Montana, right. which is spelled the same as my name, but not pronounced the same. Very bizarre. <laughs> um, the county health that gets funded by this 
is the only health access for many Montanans within 100 miles of their home. Actually, after last week, I went and looked it up. It is 41% of Montanans, 41%, do not have access to health care within 100 miles. That's ridiculous. Guess what? And then they're like, well, the hospitals have to cover the uninsured. Yeah, but they have to drive five hours to get to the hospital. Exactly. Where they could go to their local doctor. Where if they could go to their county health and get a strep throat, they just, antibiotics are good. Right. Oh, now it's a staph infection on your face and we have to cut your head off. Hmm. <laughs> that would suck to have your head cut off. <clears throat> Although, really and truly, so, as evidence, what time apparently is it? How you long can have we still... Been talking? We've been doing an hour and seven minutes. Okay, well, because we have because... to stop. Is your head hurt? Yes, I was actually relaxed today. Oh, well, I can relax you with this. This was, this was a, a mistake. I have a surprise for you. <laughs> okay. We're going for a drink. Right now? Oh, yes. Why? Oh, yeah. Because... I have whiskey in the other room. It'll be better. I promise. <laughs> no, I actually have to be somewhere. Oh, all right. Fine. Sorry. Anyway, everybody. <laughs> well, this ends well. <laughs> I'm sorry. My head hurts.